Greetings, Eliminators. Uh, normally in the podcast, this is the point where we come at you, come at you with some sort of peppy intro, but uh, we're coming off a pretty long break, and I feel like, Brent, we owe our listeners an explanation of why it took us so long to do this, and I don't know if you want to tell them about the falling out that we had and <laughs> the things that were said that can't be unsaid. Or the stabbing that can't be unstabbed. <laughs> All I know is, at a certain point, I found myself at about like midnight out on your front lawn, pl- holding up a boombox to your bedroom window, <laughs> playing Peter Gabriel's in your eyes. That's what did it. So then here we are. And you forgave me. Um, our apologies. We just sort of got busy doing other stuff. <laughs> and in Brent's, to be fair, Brent was... Was uh, sure to like poke every now and then be like, you should do another episode. Like, yeah, we really should. No, we didn't. We just kind of. <laughs> well, we, we were going to do one about, I think, Ghostbusters. We did think about Ghostbusters. But we decided, like, it's just, it's just like too good. Like, I didn't even really know what to say. It's like, go watch Ghostbusters. Well, also like the mandate of the podcast is, how would you redo it? And it's already been redone. Yeah. And, you know. And again. Yeah, and again, so it's like there's there are a lot of great examples of eighty stuff that's already been remade that I feel like you know how would you remake Battlestar Galactica? Well, uh, I, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I can't. know exactly how I would do it up <laughs> yeah. until the last fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but there's lots of stuff like that. I mean, we just didn't get the, to that, and uh, you know, sorry, our bad. But we're we're here now. Is the important yeah. thing. We're together now. Stop crying. So take, take the Illuminatis you get. That's right. Don't complain about what you didn't get. <laughs> when you have no sponsors, you make your own schedule. There you go. And this is ours. Um, the year is 1983, Brent. And there's a lot of good 80s stuff out there. There's Return of the Jedi. There's uh, Flashdance. Very 80s. Probably the best thing that came out in 1983, Brent Phillips. Hell. <laughs> I don't know if you want to see that on widescreen or... <laughs> you probably don't want to see that event on widescreen. Um, another movie that we considered doing for this episode was uh, War Games, out same year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jedi raked in a cool $252 million. Uh, War Games, $80 million. But forget all that noise. We're going to focus on Columbia Pictures' Crow. Which pulled in... Let's say sixteen point five million. Yeah. And did you write down how much it cost? I didn't. I was afraid to look. Thirty. Did it really? Yeah. Dang. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, let's figure out why that might have happened. Um, you know, I think Krull was another bald face grab for that Star Wars glory. Especially um the well, at least in the very beginning, the like Imperial oh, yeah. Starrooper, Stormtrooper well, aesthetic on the guards. And they don't really go Star Wars anymore to me, but the beginning was just like it was almost like the opening June. shot. The opening shot is that giant space rock. And it moves <laughs> yeah, just as slow out of the camera as 
the, yeah, the yeah, Star yeah. Destroyer. It is exactly. I hadn't thought about that. It is exactly that shot. And I thought, damn, it's almost, a, a lot of this movie felt to me like somebody who didn't see Star Wars, but heard like some guys in the background <laughs> so... talking about it while he was like getting a beer at a party, had to go then tell the writer of Krull, this is what you got to compete with. You know, space, and there's an evil... Oh, there's like a really slow... <laughs> There's, thing. there's a princess in the background somewhere. Uh, there's an evil She emperor. even sort of dressed like oh, yeah. uh, Leia. Man. Yeah. There's a special weapon that looks really cool. Uh, I mean, it's all the all the notes are there. You know what sucks? One blade. You know what rocks? <laughs> Five. Yeah. Now, you're ta- <laughs> now you got something with a lot of pep. Um, you know what sucks? Swords. You know what rocks? Axes. That are uncommonly pristine chrome axes for escape convicts. But don't worry about that. When that um, giant asteroid comes out at the beginning, and I watched the movie with my six-year-old, uh, mm-hmm. my six-year-old daughter, um, she thought it looked like um, a log, like like wood instead of rock. It looked very um, like a like a tree or something. Like it was just like sure. shards of wood coming through. But this is in fact the the whole asteroid is, in fact, a giant fortress that comes and lands on the planet Krull. And they just refer to it as the Black Fortress. Um, Spaceship Fortress. Yeah, and you hear in a voiceover that many worlds had fallen to this force from outer space. Uh, the Beast and his army of slayers. And I'm thinking, this is a movie that is not science fiction or fantasy, but try to bl- tries to blend them both. Yeah. All right. And... In a way, Star Wars did that too. I mean, the Force is kind of mystical, quasi. It's magical stuff, right? I mean, I would argue this is just the same side of the coin. It's just that the default setting was fantasy as opposed to the default Star yeah. Wars setting is I think that's just sci-fi. right. I think that's exactly right, yeah. and But if you really want to get down to like the story and everything, like, it, they're adventure movies. Yeah. And all the setting in Star Wars skews more towards the science fiction end all the setting in Krull skews more towards that fantasy end, which makes you get this like space medieval night world thing. Yeah. Um, which looked okay. Uh, it was obviously these sets aren't impressive as Star Wars sets, but. Um, oh, I was going to say this movie looked awesome. Like, think of, okay, A, the location shots are pretty amazing. Especially when sure. you think about like, they just straight up did this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. when he's climbing up to that cave to get the glaive, uh, and you look at it, and you're like, "Man, some guy did this. Some guy climbed that mountain <laughs> in tight leather, like um, body hugging leather." It was, uh, and I liked all the like weird aesthetic stuff of the fortress. Like, so you get into the the the. Well, you're talking about the Black Fortress at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that, not that was cool. their fortress. There was some cool... Their so, fortress is very... So let's talk about their fortress okay. uh-huh. a little bit. So the Black Fortress is where you end up at the end, where the bad guys mm-hmm. hold up. The, the the good guys' fortress at the beginning, which I guess we can call White Castle, since it's the opposite of Black Fortress. Fair enough. So they're hanging out at White Castle, and uh, it's pretty sparse. Like, there's there's nothing but blank walls and blank floors all over the place. When they have anything hanging, it's... Got the glaive motif. Like, there's glaive tapestry. There's a glaive stained glass window. Mm-hmm. The glaive being this, what they thought is just a sim- like just a 
legendary symbol, but it's an actual thing. It's this five point. Well, what's weird is the glaives seem to be the symbol of uh, Colwyn's kingdom, like his whole ancestry, as opposed to the girls. But it's the girls' castle, right? So they have the same. Well, I'm guessing it. It just spreads all over. The legend is all over the world. This this union of the two kingdoms had me a little. I was a little shocked by how easily these two kings gave up their individual thrones. Well, uh, what gets me was not that they. So I just I took that part for granted is that they're so desperate to deal with the slayers that they're like the only way we can do this is if we do it together. And it's like that's a pretty somber reason to like do all this. It's like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna marry our people, and this is. Like, he legitimately says, my kingdom is no more. There's one kingdom. And you're like, that's pretty, like, serious stuff. But then, like, uh, Colin and Lissa Lissa are just like, oh, I love you so much. And it's like, what? Well, it wasn't I didn't even get that. I'm pretty sure they'd never met before. I didn't even, I'm pretty sure they didn't meet before until this scene. They meet at the, at the, they're going to get married that night at Lissa's father's castle. The two fathers hate each other, but they're going to give up their kingdoms and let their children marry to unite their armies. Lissa and Colwyn, I think you're right, see each other for the first time, and I didn't get a I love you so much vibe. I just got a, dang, all right, you are really attractive. (laughs) They are both very attractive people. They are both some of the most gorgeous people you will ever (laughs) see on screen. He looks like a svelte Star-Lord. Just, I mean, the the hair and and the... Beard structure is very Star Lord, but he's a little thinner. He's got a little more eye makeup on. <laughs> yeah, he's dressed all in leather. He's not afraid to get made up a little to no, go out of the town. He looked gorgeous, and Lissa is one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen on film too. She's yeah. just, she had a lot of hair, but she's she's gorgeous. Um, and they looked at each other, and I just got the impression that they're like, "Well, if I'm marrying somebody I've never met, at least it's a you 10. can do worse." Yeah, and they both looked really into it, and. Why not? They're young. They don't know what else is to consider. Yeah, I don't know. Um, there was definitely some, uh, just a little off-puttedness between, like, the seriousness of what's happening versus, true. ooh, it's our wedding day, and it's, but we've never met, and, like, we're only doing this because we're, if we don't band together, <laughs> we won't have a chance, and we're all dead. Ella leaned over to me. My daughter Ella leaned over and asked, Daddy, how old is she? And I said, how old do you think she is? She's like, she looks about 16. I said, I think she's maybe 20-ish. Which is too young to get married. Um, So, of course, the wedding gets attacked by the the Beast's Slayer army. And these guys... um, Sorry, before we get too far ahead, I want to go back to the opening narration. Sure. Where he says... Uh, he's talking about them too, and he's like, they're going to rule Krull, and their son will rule the galaxy. I have a theory about that, but I'm going to save that for the end. Because okay, because he says it again. Because the opening narration is also the end narration. They hit yes, you twice. Yes, it is exactly the same going. thing. Yeah. But that's why I got such a Dune feeling to it about like uh, <laughs> the prophecy, and then like, like the Star Wars half this stuff. Yeah, a little bit, and then like everyone dies, and he's out on his own. Like it does kind of have like you know. A, now that I think about it, Colwyn did have those deep blue eyes. Oh my god! So one of the notes I wrote is Technicolor. Like yeah. the there's a part where it like uh, Colwyn just like turns, you know, so that he <laughs> does the profile for the camera, 
I've never seen bluer eyes in it my life. Like, and it's, it's like, dude, lay off the spice. Yeah. Those, that is too much. It was very the Moa <laughs> Deep Blue. He was doing the Blue Steel. Yeah, one of my notes was, LOL, King has Dune Eyes. Yeah. He was doing Blue Steel from Zoolander. <laughs> he was totally doing it. Um, oh, man. So the wedding gets interrupted. They, they're doing this, like, fire handling ceremony where I guess in order to unite their two kingdoms she has to ceremoniously hand over her fire. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this in literal terms because she's literally holding not a torch in her hand but the actual naked flame is dancing on her palm. Yeah. And before he can accept her her flame the they get attacked by... So my fire. question is so this gets interrupted and then spoilers at the end she finally gives the flame to him. Yeah. In between those periods of time, could she have shot flames out of her hand? I don't know. I got the feeling you could only do it if you combined your forces, which I dug because they can't—they can't do anything. I wish they could only do it if they held hands or something. That would have made more sense. The fact that she just gave it to him and then just goes and cowers in the corner while he just sits there and blasts. Yeah, there's definitely some. Uh, Oh, some some early '80s listen feminism here. If you're man, hoping like, for a princess who stands up for herself and fights her own battles and has agency of her own, this is not the film for you. But this comes right after Star Wars, which well, this is Return of the Jedi's out the same year. Yeah, so like you, you know, people are into like a proactive that's female why, character, and they're like, no, f that. That's why I'm saying this guy got the the barest Cliff Notes version of what. Star Wars was what they were competing with, and they was like, "There's a princess in space," and that's all they told him. He's like, "Yeah, okay, a princess." We all know how that goes. <laughs> um, because there's a scene in this attack where she gets hustled out of the room because it becomes quickly apparent that the um, Slayer soldiers are there for her. They'll kill everybody, but they're there for the princess, and they try to get her away. Uh, her guards get her out of the room. And there's a scene where... Oh, she picks she up picks a sword, up sword and I was like, yeah! And then she just tosses it to a guard. At this point, <laughs> my little girl's heart broke because she picks up the sword yeah, and Ella be. leans up and she goes, yeah, get him! And then she throws the sword to the guard. No, okay, that, that isn't even doing it justice because the Slayer is like bearing down on yeah. the guard and she is behind the Slayer with the sword and instead of just stabbing him, oh. she throws it over the Slayer to the guard, who then, you know, maybe blocks one shot before he dies anyway. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, why? Oh, man, it was such a missed opportunity. And we were both like, yeah, now we're going to see something. Nope. She got rid of it as quick as she could. And I'm just When thinking, was the last time you saw this? Oh, uh, it was a long time ago. Like, I, I think I saw a little bit of it. A few years ago when I caught just the briefest glimpses I was flipping through the channels, but watched it in its entirety, probably not since I was uh, like 10 or 11. Okay, yeah, same. I don't think I've seen this since I was roughly that age. Because, like, I remembered some parts. Right. But, like, in the grand scheme of things, I was like, who's this? What's happening? Who's this old? I don't remember the old guy at all. Oh, yeah. I remember the extremely old guy. Oh yeah, the like seer. The, yeah, yeah. the emerald seer, but the old guy that's like the so, guy that leads him around. I was like, who is this guy? So I don't know this guy, at all. Well, first of all, there's <laughs> there's this great fight scene. It's very Errol Errol Flynn. Like Cohen is literally swinging on a chandelier. Oh, at one it was point. so like I, it was like so swashbuckly. Very I was swashbuckly. like versus like how intense the Slayers had been up until now, and then it's just like, oh, you know how you beat him? You just like yeah. 
do a flip over a guy. So, <laughs> so let's talk said, about what? about these slayers and what he's facing. These are knights in like demonic looking armor. They have laser pikes, right? These are like these these stabby guns that shoot lasers out of the tips. Nobody else on this planet has laser technology. Just the bad guys. No. And I really, I actually really like that they shoot. They can shoot one shot and then they turn it around and then they got to use. Yeah, I guess it's like more like a laser musket. Or yeah, is yeah, that, is that the term? Yeah, yeah. Uh, with those knives at the end. But then they got then they turn it around and they just use the pointy and the stab you. Yeah. But like, I really liked how it wasn't just straight up. They're got laser guns and they're going to kill you all. It's like if you can dodge that first laser, then that's true. Yeah, that was cool. You have a chance. Then your your medieval fortress has a chance of standing. Your but it meant but it meant when they like got the drop on you, like you're done, man, because they could kill a whole ton of people in that first volley. Yes. Another Which thing. They did. <laughs> another thing I loved was um, if you ever managed to break through their armor, they are a sort of squid-like creature inside, with like you know about two and a half feet length of They're oblong worms. tube worm, and they have like tentacles at the end, and they burrow into the earth once they get out of their armor. And that sound that like the first time one of them dies, it goes, and then like it comes out. That brought back so yeah. many memories i was like oh god like i didn't rem- i didn't know that was in there so many things but like that. did it bring back memories of krull or did it bring back memories of this sound effect being reused in a couple of different 80s and i was specifically krull really yeah. i feel like i feel like we've seen this in things like and i may be wrong because it's been a while since i've seen it but i feel like we we get that same effect in like any number of like Beastmaster or uh I don't know, Conan or Maybe something. Maybe similar, but this one specifically, All right. I was like, oh, that is... I'm what, definitely watching Kroll right now. What I didn't get was <laughs> why the squid creatures, when you defeat them and they, they leave the armor, why do they burrow... Where are they going? They burrow into the earth and disappear. It's not like they come back later. Going back to the black... I guess. Just via place, underground... I guess. I don't know. Burrowing the entire... They never way. make any attempt to, like, stamp on them or anything. No. Well, they, I got the feeling that they're way down quick. But it's not... Yeah, it's not like still, but like if you think about it, it's, they should have said like go for the head, like kill the the worm, or they'll just respawn or whatever back at home. Who who knows what they do? Or they're all just waiting underground. <laughs> Imagine if they're just like gestating under where you defeated them, and they're like they're going to come they up turn next into tremors worms. Yeah, like next spring they're all going to rise back up again and be like <laughs> they're just gigantic June bugs. Yeah, you can have a locust problem in in yeah I don't know next man. season. Um, and it's a complete slaughter. They uh, they kill everyone except Corwin, pretty much, because they thought he was dead. And Colwyn. Colwyn, sorry. And they take Lyssa uh, away to the Black Fortress and enter the wise old man, Obi-Wan, Yanir, the old one, who is, I swear to you, he is Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, he sounds In like Alec way. Guinness. In every way. Sounds exactly like him. You know, British accent. He is poor man's Alec Guinness. Mm-hmm. Very poor man's Alec, Alec Guinness. He's a little he's a little dumpier than Alec Guinness was. <laughs> I mean, Alec Guinness was a good looking guy. And like, man, grow a real beard. Yeah, that was patchy. That his was... his facial hair was distractingly bad. Yeah. It's not so... I, I guarantee you, for as long as we do this podcast, I will not bring up any man's facial hair again, but it was like it was so weak. bad. It was weak. And also for a guy whose surname is the old one, he wasn't that old. I mean, he was not a young kid, but he wasn't that old. Well, they... I mean, looking. No, it was not old looking, and like clearly there's more... This feels like it was an adapted book that they didn't give us all the lore for. Okay. At, at a lot of different points, because there's clues to him being like 
ancient, like older than yeah. the old wizard dude, yeah. and like because yeah. his his girl, he's the spiderweb chick, is he was like she hasn't been called that, and yeah, he's got a history with this world and the very old people in it yeah. that he couldn't possibly have unless he's much older than he appears. Yes. But they don't make a big deal about that or anything. And I think it actually would have meant something more when he eventually does die if you understood, like, that's a big sacrifice for someone who's probably immortal. Yeah. yeah. And it's like... Yeah. He, it's fine. he shows up and, you know, he, it's... this The whole plot of this movie is very point-for-point point, uh, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. It's just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just you find the young kid. The only the only difference is that the young kid is not like some unknown in this who didn't think he had any special destiny. Colwyn always knew he was going to be king of this this kingdom. It wasn't like he grew up presumably knowing that. Maybe at least not, of at least of his half of a kingdom. Yeah. Yes. So he's not like he's just some commoner who plucked out of by fate and said, yeah. "You will save us all." He did, he didn't draw the sword out of the stone and be like, "Oh wait, I'm special." But apart from that, every beat of this is the hero's journey, and it's. It's like somebody somebody only took that basic plot structure and was like, we'll just put space in front of the, the word space in front of every everything in this <laughs> plot structure. So, you know, we go to a space cave instead of a mystical cave. and They're all mystical caves, but yeah. it's a mystical cave in space. Um, and this old man is going to show him where to find the special space weapon that will defeat his space enemy and save his space princess. Well, and a weapon that he is familiar with has seen used, and, like, they don't... Again, I, I really feel like they left stuff out, and, like, it's a long movie. It is every bit of the two hours. It is two hours and one minute, and that one minute is two minutes. And they let every scene breathe as much as it wants to breathe. <laughs> and it's like, you could have, you could have like, fleshed this out some more, and I think that's the sort of thing that would have done really well, like, in comparison to Star Wars, is, like... Give us more of that, I mean, like, give us more lore is yeah. a weird thing to say to this movie, but, like, you hinted at it, and then you never, I mean, maybe they were hoping to make more of these, I don't know. It sounds like, like, I don't want to give the impression, I'm sure it sounds like I'm just ragging on this movie. <laughs> and it's, because that's what we do for, it's fun to do. But it's not that I didn't enjoy watching it. I did enjoy watching it, mm -hmm. but I only enjoyed watching it in the same sense that, like, you enjoy a grilled cheese. But there's nothing to the grilled cheese. You know, it's it's just the two slices and the cheese in the middle, and that's it. And you'll eat it, you won't even think about it. But you'll like it. Yeah. But if you get a grilled cheese like Return of the Jedi, which has the bread and the cheese, but also put some bacon on there. I think we might need to watch Return of the Jedi before we go talking about that being so good. Or any of the Star Wars, like the Star Wars trilogy on a whole. Okay, as a fine. whole. Um, but that's a much meteor sandwich and you're going to enjoy that a lot more there's a lot more we actually might need to do star wars because like <laughs> should they remake star wars brent is that the no but return especially like just remake return of the oh, Jedi. Man. but uh but you know what i'm saying like it's shallow it's there's no depth to anything all these characters are exactly who they're dressed as and there's nothing more to them so like Colwyn looks very heroic because he's he the is. hero. And that's all there is to him. He's the hero. Yeah. Everything he says and does is just because he's the hero. Not because he has any kind of backstory or personal feelings. or any, And they're all like that. The princess is just the princess. The old man is just the wise old man. That's it, it. To be fair, the old man at least had more going on. Like He had a history. He gets that, a hint of a backstory that. that is very intriguing. Like yeah. I would love to hear more about that. Right. But we don't. 
It sounds insane. Yeah. Uh, um, they go off to find the glaive. And he walks in the cave and grabs it. Um, well, he doesn't walk and he climbs up the side of a sheer Oh, he climbs for like 10 I, minutes. I, but love, yeah. I love when Ynir tells him, I cannot go with you. You must go alone. And at the time I thought, it's because he has to discover his destiny for himself. Like, no, he just can't it's, make that climb. There's no way Ynir is getting up that mountain. <laughs> no way. Especially when he comes back down with the glaive and Ynir is just like still panting from where he left him. And he's like, all right, just give me a second and I'll, I'll help you. Um, but... My, what I loved was when he finds the glaive in the cave. This is the first of like five mystical caves we're going to go to in this movie. <laughs> this is very cave. Yeah. Movie. Oh my god! Every time they meet someone, they're like, "I know a cave you can go to." This is the first one, and the glaive is just in lava. It's just sitting in lava. There's no like challenge to solve or riddle to get past or no, guardian good, to defeat. A good pair of tongs could have gotten it out. You didn't need royal hands. Although his royal hands did not burn in the just reached in and picked it up and you see this thing once the lava sleuths off it and it's so beautiful (laughs) it's funny because like you know i remember the glaive obviously because and like the first time he holds it he's holding it by like the bottom tongue yeah and i'm like you better move that hand (laughs) <laughs> he's gonna shoot the place out and then the next scene it comes back and he's moved his hand and then all the so for the longest out. time when i was a kid i thought because i had one of those combs that flipped down like the it was switch like a blade switch comb. blade comb yeah. and you know how they flip out yeah at an angle i thought the glaive's blades flipped out rather than just mm. popping straight out and i thought how do you not chop your fingers off when you activate the blades but they just pop straight out from each arm. Okay, fine. But then when you throw it and it comes back to you as a as a frisbee boomerang thing with blades at the end, you're still going to chop your fingers off. There's yeah. no way to avoid it. And then I thought, when you compare it to, say, a lightsaber, it's still just as impractical to the wielder <laughs> as any. Yes. I mean, those two, are, it's kind of six of one, half a dozen. Unless you have the magic to block bullets with your lightsaber, it's dumb to not use a gun. It's very, very true. But the glaive is gorgeous looking in this movie. I went online well, and looked to see if there was any like replicas you could buy. There are a few. Only like I was two of say, them. There's gotta be. Only like a couple of them are that quality good looking. Yeah. Some of them are really dumpy looking. Terrible. <laughs> Somebody just taped five knives. Oh in god, it was, it was like, yeah, you can pay me thirty dollars for this. I'm like, I'm not paying you anything for this. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, and like then he brings it back and he really wants to just, you know, throw it, try it out, and he's like, no. You can only use it at the end of the movie. <laughs> and it's does. like, dude, how many people would have not died if you'd used this the whole time? I liked what he said. He does say that. And you kind of got the impression that maybe Inir knew where it was because he left it there from the last time it was used. Maybe. Like, he kind of has... Because it got had a very just... I. Tossed it in this lava so no one else would grab it and then just walked away. But when he tells thing. him don't use it till the end of the movie, he says basically only use it when you when you feel the greatest need or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like he has this I mean, obviously he could just be a mystical wise man who knows all kinds of stuff, but maybe he knew it from personal experience. Well maybe it would take a toll on him or something. There should be some reason not I agree. to use it other than just like Maybe that's part of the lore that was chopped out from the novelization. That's what I'm saying. I feel like there's more there, man. Um, Although the don't use it until the end of the movie thing seems like... Because otherwise you'd win all these fights in half a second. So next step, they got to go to cave mystical cave number two. 
which is the home of the blind Emerald Seer. Well, do they don't get the escape convicts in between? Well, they will, but they, oh, have, okay. to, they have to go to the cave, that's and where that's where going. they're got heading it, there, to yeah, cave yeah. number two. And first they get their dopey comedic sidekick, Ergo the Magnificent. I liked Ergo. Did you really? Yes. He did not work for me. He was so... I don't know. He he looked like he was half asleep when he was delivering his lines. He just looked like... That's just his face, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> he didn't, like, look anyone in the eye when he was talking to them. He was always, like, looking up kind of a scan. Like, he didn't really want to be there. I don't know. It just seemed kind of... Of all the surface-level performances, I didn't think his was particularly good. All right. But you enjoyed yourself some comedic... I had a lot of... Uh, residual fondness for him from my youth because I really liked that he could turn into animals. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's his that's his major trick. He he turns into he tries to make them like dangerous, impressive animals, but usually they're like a goose. Or... Well, he keeps. Tra- I mean, like he seems to be aware that he can turn into things, and then he doesn't like. Oh, you know what? I should turn into something. You know, worth worth something. Until he's not the very really, end. He's not really tight on the spells. Like they're all written down, and he like keeps losing the papers. Like he, they're all yeah. loose. They're not like even in a book. Oh no, he's just got a couple like post-it notes. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wrote this that there's like a lipstick on one of them and somebody's phone number, and he's like on the back of it as a spell. Um, he, yeah. I wrote down in my notes like, the, uh, is this guy the original Presto from Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically that level magician. Um, and then you get the first of what you call the like nine or ten cuts back to Lissa at the Beast's Black Fortress. And all that's going on with her, every time they cut back to her, is the Beast keeps showing her these beautiful clothes he wants her to put on. And he's just trying to, like, seduce her. And I guess he's trying to, like, say, you know, put on the outfit, marry me, and you'll legitimize my legitimize my claim to this world. Is this how he did it for all the worlds that he conquered? That's the thing. I don't think it was about legitimizing anything. I think he genuinely likes her. Because he oh. says, you'll be my... You'll be queen of the galaxy, not just queen of Kroll. But see, he can't... He can only legitimize his claim on one planet if, that's you know, that's Well, maybe, case. and also maybe he knew about the, the, the destiny that was preordained where she would choose Clearly her husband. he had some sort of ability to do that stuff because he could block the, okay. the other dude. And then if she chooses him and their son will rule the galaxy. Maybe, yeah, whoever she has a kid with rules the galaxy. I don't know. All right. Yeah, it doesn't like have to be... I don't think I would have banged that dude. It doesn't have to be the dreamboat with the blue eyes. It could be it, Beast Boy. <laughs> Which, I, they did a really good job of, like, not showing him and only showing, like, little bits of him. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, what is this thing for a long time? I didn't mind that at all. I and then the, the sets, wherever she is, was so weird. Like, the first time you see her, she's in this gigantic eye. Yeah. And it's like this huge mask thing, and I'm like, man, I know where all this money went. Yeah. It was into this. Um, and there's like six different sets of... Each each set of the interior of the Black Fortress looks like a different interior of some giant creature's anatomy. Yeah. Which was kind of cool. Um, like she was trapped inside the belly of the beast. Right. Which makes sense. Um, this whole seduction of Lissa... Kind of reminded me of... Did you ever see the movie Legend with Tom Cruise? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, that's a great movie. Uh, I hope it holds up. Maybe we'll do it someday on, on the <laughs> podcast because it was an 80s movie. But there's something very similar where Tim Curry, very young Tim Curry, plays the devil. Like this this giant, horned, beautiful makeup 
Yeah, I've seen the picture. Yeah. yeah. And he is just, throughout the movie, trying to seduce Tom Cruise's girlfriend, I think her name is Lily, to be his bride. And it's the same thing here, just cut back to that back and forth. Um, but we go back to our heroes and they get ambushed by a bunch of robbers. And these robbers, they all got manacles on, right? So they obviously broke away from like some chain gang or something. Yeah. Snuck up. But they are the most, like you never, you never meet robbers in any other film who are so easily talked out of robbing you. Like even in like Robin Hood, uh, what was a Kevin Costner Robin Hood? Um, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, even when he took over the Merry Men, like, he had to fight Little John for that honor and, like, right. convince them that he was worth following. This, they they all jump out. They're very good at surprising and surrounding. And then Colin's just like, oh, don't take our stuff. And they're like, eh, okay. <laughs> well, instead of robbing me, what if you go on a suicide mission <laughs> to the Black Castle? Okay. And they all kind of buy it pretty quick. And there's no fighting that needs to happen, no proving of your worth, nothing. And Liam Neeson is with them. Just, just there. Just the youngest Liam Neeson you'll, so ever, young. you'll ever see. And he had a bunch of hair, which is like, you never see yeah. Liam Neeson with that much hair, but there it was. And, uh, you know, he's just hanging Kind of seemed like a, like a thug from London or something. Yeah, it was just like... All of a sudden you see who Liam Neeson must have grown up as, and you're like, oh man, that is... And you never think about it because, like, he's always kind of been old's the wrong word, but like mature yeah, in yeah. everything I've ever seen him in. And then you see him as like, God, he couldn't have been more than like twenty or no. something in this. And you're just like, oh man! But he still felt like, even though he looks so young, he's still a little like hunched. Yeah, like he's that still, natural he's Liam Neeson lurch. Liam Neeson this. Yeah, and uh, he's not even like the main thug. He's like the third thug, thug number three. Yep. But whatever. Um, and they all go along and just decide to form up and become the company of the the Glaive, or whatever they're going to call themselves. And they carry on banging their coconuts and riding along <laughs> to the mystical cave. The Knights of the Glaive. Yeah. Um, a Cyclops shows up. And I remember you once told me that this Cyclops, uh, who can see the future, but only his own death, yeah. blew your little mind when you were It did. His, his whole storyline... That was just that was more than my than my young brain could handle of like he can see his death, but if he tries to avoid it, it'll be way worse. Mm. And then he doesn't try to avoid his death, he avoids it to help them. Like that's what he's willing to sacrifice. Yeah. And his death is pretty terrible. Like, yeah. Him yeah. getting squished in that door, like, man, that stuck with me for a long yeah, time. He does not end well, the Cyclops. What I liked about him was he's an alien. Like straight up, straight yeah. up alien. We're back to the little sci-fi into this fantasy movie because they they say yeah, cyclopses aren't from Krull. They're from another world. Many. But how did he get here? I don't know. But maybe he had his age. own like little hill that flew. And, you know, not quite a not quite a mountain. But he came over on a giant piece of quartz. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it was economy all the way. And uh, yeah, and apparently their ability to see the future was a deal they made with the beast. Where they, like, they collectively, as a race, gave up one eye from every single one of them so they could see the future, and he tricked them so that they could only see their own death. Yeah. Whoops. Whoops. Uh, so now well, and, like, they even say, from birth. Yeah. So it's like, it's, they know how they're going to die stop, from Stop. The... Stop having babies, Cyclops. Yeah, that's That's a horrible thing to push on a little child. But that's, it's, 
there's a couple things in in here, and we'll get to the, the by far the worst one is later in the movie. But like, there's some stuff where like shit gets real, where you're just like, wow, yeah, holy crap. And then the rest of the time, it's like this swashbuckling like kids' adventure. That's why one of my questions was to ask you what age you think a kid could be to watch this because like you let your six year old watch it, but yeah. I know my five year old would lose his shit and have nightmares <laughs> forever. Well, I let my six year old watch it with me on the couch with plenty of sunlight streaming through the window. It was about, like, one in the afternoon. Fair enough. So, there was no problem at all with that. She was totally fine. Um, and uh, and so they finally get to the cave of the blind Emerald Seer, cave number two. And blind Emerald Seer has himself a little page boy, Titch, little kid who's just yeah. kind of hanging out, like, fetching people tea and stuff. Ergo steals candy from a baby, literally, and just takes the kid's candy bar. <laughs> Your hero, Ergo, Brent. He's my hero. So like <laughs> just straight up takes the kid's candy. He's a better thief than uh, than the, the robbers. Thieves. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and I don't even know why they had to go here because they asked the seer to show them. The whole thing is they don't know where the black fortress is going to be because it moves every single day when the sun comes up. Yeah. So you have to see into the future to know where it's going to be and then head there. So they hope that the blind seer so will show. At least know where it is right now and get there. And get there quick. Within a day. Yeah. And so the blind seer's like, all right, well, we'll give it a shot and I'll see if I can tell. And he starts to call up a vision, but... The, the beast's hand comes out of the ground and crushes his crystal. And, and literally like, shit. bursts his bubble and that's yeah. it. The vision's over. And so he's like, well, the beast can do that to me here. But if we went to cave number three, <laughs> there's no way he could do it to me there. And what I don't get is like, why didn't you go to cave number three? Why would first... you, if you're the blind seer, why would you live anywhere but cave number three? <laughs> if that's the scene of your ultimate power. I don't, well, I didn't get a good sense for how long uh, the Beast and the Slayers have been here. Long enough to, like, ravage the countryside and be a real threat to both kingdoms yeah. and for them to negotiate a truce into dissolving their own kingdom's force. So, I'm like, guessing at least probably a, a couple of years. Uh, see, I was going to say at least, like, I was going to say maybe, like, 18 months or something. Like, like enough to... Enough spread. that, like, if if you realize that you're the linchpin to, like, defeating, the, or at least one of the major forces against him, like, you know, head to head to cave three. It's it's time, man. Cave number three is. I mean, I guess he's blind and only has little boys, so maybe he. Yeah. He could. He would have gone if he could have. I don't know. Cave number three is the the temple of the Emerald Swamp, a little further along. So it's just like every every time you meet someone in this movie, it's like, hi, how you doing? This is. Mo, Larry, and Curly. Now that we're all acquainted, let's go to the next place. Yeah. And they just keep doing that. And it gives the illusion of like a breakneck pace of action. But really, it's just they keep walking. They just keep moving. No one ever has anything to do in the place where they are. It's always get to the next spot. Well, in this leg of the journey from where we find a super old man to the swamp temple or whatever... Mm -hmm. It's the one that just lifts out the most, man. Like, yeah. it was just like, and then we went here. But it has, like, one of the coolest things I think of in the movie yeah. is the, the changeling, which... The doppelganger. Uses her, or his, I guess, fingernails to, like, kill the old man and take his place. And you're like, ah! Yeah, so they go to the swamp, and I guess the, the seer needs to stop and sit down from... Oh, they hit quicksand. Quicksand's in every action movie. Yeah, while they're dealing with the quicksand. And Seer has to sit down. And, thank God the, the blind Seer didn't end up at the quicksand. That would have been terrifying know, right? for him. But he sits down, and while he's sitting down, the rest of them 
away from the rest of them, he gets replaced by the evil changeling creature. It looks just like him, except he has black eyes, which no one's going to notice because the seer always his eyes closed. Keeps him shut. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so they finally get to the temple of the Emerald Swamp, and the seer says, only you and I may enter, Colin. And it's wink. Wink. And he's, yeah, that, that scene, his claws grow out of his hand. He's going to what? Like knife him in the back with them? Well, it's funny because in the very next scene, there's holes in Colin's shirt. But I never saw him actually... Th- that's the thing. As a kid, I thought I remembered the the fingernails coming out and going into you him. You see them coming. Oh, you saw them. But it was definitely not in the movie I watched last night, no. which I don't I don't understand. Maybe it was different when I watched it on TBS. I, that doesn't seem likely. It seems like there'd be less. The only more. reason the attack fails is the Cyclops happens to notice that the swamp has vomited out the corpse of the real Emerald Seer. And then he then he hauls ass over and launches his and spear at the guy. The, that his, whole scene was awesome. His trident did, spear. Yeah. That just the three pronged spear, which to me looks more like what you use to fish in like the South Seas, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like to spearfish. Um and takes the guy out before he can be destroyed. I keep wondering, like, usually in a hero's journey, you have him learning lessons or proving his worth. With each stage. No, he's but he doesn't seem to do anything. Like even getting the magic weapon. All he had to do was reach it and pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, surviving this assassination attempt. Has nothing to do with him. It's the Cyclops who saves his life. Uh, knowing where to go to ask for the right information. Has nothing to do with him. It's the wise old man who tells him. No. He never has an original idea. He never. The only thing he did. Was recruit the escape prisoner. That's true. Is is amazing uh, linguistic I mean, ninjutsu. Say what, say what you will. It did work. It did work. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> um, and that attack of the slayers in the swamp is pretty cool because they rise. The slayers rise straight up out of the water slowly. Yeah, that looked pretty cool. Um, and it's the first time you've ever seen the prisoners and everybody fight. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, at the end of all that. Blind Seer's dead. Titch is without a job. He's he's like, oh man. They they just pretty much adopt him. There's no point in having this little boy with them on this very dangerous quest. No, and they keep him okay, so like later on they have like an inexplicable uh camp night with a bunch of ladies, and it's like, leave leave the kid with them. What yeah. are you doing? Why are you taking him to like, You had every hell? you have every opportunity to leave this child in safety. Yeah. And he's just he, like, I'll go with you. I'm your official mascot. Like, even when they get to their suicide mission to get into this place, they, like, they like pick him up under their arms and, like, carry him in. It's like, leave him outside. This yeah. thing is going to, like, oh disappear in a second. He'll be fine in this. I mean, I guess he's in the middle of a desert. So maybe not. But, like, this should not have brought him. And it even, so like, Ergo even goes out of his way to make sure that kid stays by, like, turning himself into an adorable puppy that the kid immediately falls in love with. Yeah. That kid's not going anywhere now. He's yeah, puppy he locked in. Once you're puppy locked, there's no getting out of it. Um. So, because the blind seer is dead, now they have to go to cave number four, which is <laughs> mystical cave number four. The best cave so the far. Best, the best, by far, the best cave. The cave of the widow of the web. And Inir sa- says, you know, they're all like the widow of the web. You can't go see her. She'll kill you. And he's like, she won't kill me. I know her from way back. She and I have a history. 
And what? And like, she's not a widow that we know of. Mm, I yeah, guess right. maybe he killed her first husband. Who knows? Like, there's it's, there's so much in that, and so like, so yeah, he he climbs on the the spider web to get in there, which like, God, this was terrifying to me as a kid. Is that huge spider coming? Yeah, inside the cave is nothing but spider webs, <sighs> and in the center is this small little lit room where the widow of the web lives. Yeah. And then that spider web looked pretty great. And the it's kind of like a translucent giant spider comes crawling along the web. Yeah, like almost like an albino. It's crazy. Yeah, it was I liked that it wasn't a shelob looking spider, but but like from Lord of the Rings, rather this one's like the, the crystal white one looked even cooler because it was like the sickly pale looking thing. Um the the stop motion stuff was a little uh... It was a little Ray Harryhausen. <laughs> A little clash of the titans. Well, because like when he gets when he gets inside and they have their conversation, and then like you know, it's really heavy, and like I it actually like worked for me. And yeah. then he leaves, and then all of a sudden there's this like stop motion spider, and you're like, oh, right. <laughs> but while that's going on, while while Mir's going in for his deadly booty call, you got um, the rest of the gang just camping out in the woods, and they happened to have broken camp near one of Liam Neeson's eight wives. <laughs> yeah. So he like says, yeah, well, yeah, I like that he's like, doesn't doesn't your wife Maureen Liberty? He's like, no, 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 no. But this other one's close. Yeah, <laughs> he like, yeah, that's what he says. He's like, no, no, no. She moved down the river, but this one's close. Like, Let me check my Rolodex. Wait a second. And he's like, fine, just get her to bring some food. And it's like, what did you call her on a cell phone? <laughs> well, they said the the village is near here. We'll just dip in, grab my wife and some supplies, and she can cook for all of us. Which she does with the help of this mysterious. Woman who claims to be like a a refugee from a destroyed village, but is who's been who was taken in by her and has been there at least a week. Yeah, how many people in this world are spies of the beast? Yeah, the beast was playing a long con here. Yeah, man. Like, what was he going to do if they didn't happen by this particular wife? Does he have a plant for all of Liam Neeson's wives? See, that's the thing. He must have a plants everywhere. Right? He's got to. If you're going to build your spy network around a central hub, I think Liam Neeson's marital status is the way to go. Because it has long-reaching fingers <laughs> all across the planet Krull. I don't know. This is this is actually something I had an issue with um, uh, totally unrelated. But um, in the Bond movie, uh, shit, what's the one where he like, goes home? Oh, um, what's the not name? Skyfall. Uh, the oh, movie. yeah, Skyfall. Is it Skyfall? Okay. So in Skyfall, like, one of the big criticisms of the movie is that the bad guy seems to have, has this perfect plan that required everything, like, to a, to a second. Like, he has, he's able to, like, do an explosive and have a train fall on Bond kind of stuff. And I'm like, the way you play something like that is preparedness. He was ready for you to turn left or right. Not that he knew you were going to go left, and then right, and then left, and then do all this, and then perfectly come to here. It's like, no, he was prepared for all eventualities. But they never even hinted at that. He just had the perfect plan. And I hate stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, at the very least, the Beast has... He's had multiple, like, crazy changeling things come after them. Like, they must be all over the place. I wondered if this, this planted spy was... A changeling, like I kind of seemed like it. I thought it was it going was... to be another, like a, a a creature who just took on the appearance of a girl from the village. And well, she like when she half turns, 
her fingers get all long. But she seems to be the actual girl. Because she True. regrets having to do what she's going to do. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she just made a pact. But they're just cooking food for the for the, for the the men yeah. folk, And everyone's having a good old time. And one of the cute things I love is that Liam Neeson's cuddling with his wife. Local wife. Whatever yeah. her name was. And you at first are wondering when they said that Liam Neeson's character had eight wives. You're like, oh, so it's some sort of polyamorous relationship. Or, no, in this culture... All... They just have multiple. They all think they're marital the only partners. One. Yeah. No, they all believe that he is just a bigamist, pure and simple. <laughs> He's going from town to town, having because each one of them thinks that they're the only wife. She's like, "I better not hear there's any other women." And all those wives and kids are who knows how many kids he might have. Yeah, well, not yet. They're not. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, now because this was a long time ago in a galaxy far right. away. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> and then uh, the planted spy starts uh, hitting on Cole and cooking him food and, and just trying to, like, canoodle him and get some kissing and loving going. And you see back at Beast headquarters, the Beast is showing this to Lissa to say, look how unfaithful your man is. And he appears in the form of Colin with these really disturbing red eyes. <laughs> like, I thought that was... I've seen bizarre contacts on actors before when they have like possession or whatever yeah this was like i think draw on every cell they looked amazing animation it was cool it was really well done and i just thought that is one of the most disturbing smiles i've ever seen because he's super handsome except for those horrible red eyes and and he speaks to her in that deep beast voice and just says look your boy's unfaithful but then of course colvin resists the wiles of the spot i don't get why, if you're this powerful, just show her a lie? Because then it wouldn't be true. It, it needs, <laughs> it, she needs to have her give her, herself willingly, I guess. I don't know. I guess. In a mystical world, that sort of thing counts. Don't you think? Like, aren't that, isn't that the basic rule book for, like, mystical, magical workings with, with demons? Like, they're he allowed does, he to... He doesn't li- want their marriage to be based. They're allowed to lie about... He wants about it to be based on trust. Yes. Good communication. What sort of foundation would that be for <laughs> for the children? If they're going to rule the galaxy forever and ever, they shouldn't start with a lie. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so when that whole ruse is exposed, uh, the the spy person turns out to basically be like, "I'm sorry, I was going to kill you, Colin. I fell in love with you, feeding you this chicken tonight." <laughs> no, right? Like, remember when we met ten minutes ago? Yeah. Oh, now I love you so much. Oh. You took the plate from me, and I, I just knew that I couldn't go through with it. And so now I'm going to die because the beast is going to kill me. And sure enough, he does. She She's killed. Like, I guess by via remote control. She does do the Slayer scream when she dies, though. That's true. She did that noise, didn't she? So she might have been a Slayer or something. I don't. And the Changeling also did it. I guess anybody who's, who, who signs on the dotted line. Under the beast control, yeah. I don't who know. Who just signs their contract has to do that when they die. <laughs> um, Makes me wonder if this... What, I guess the centaur didn't. But. Yeah. But then we get back to Mystical Cave number four and the Widow of the Web. And this is a really cool scene that you and I both both like because you get a lot of this weird backstory hinted at. Yeah. That's, I mean, like, so he he makes his way in there. She pauses the spider with the sands. And he makes his way into the orb in the center. Yeah. And, like, she's this, like, super old crone lady. And you... Way older than he is. Way older than he is. But, like, it's interesting Physically. because it almost seems like self imposed like that oh 
once she feels how he sees her, I don't think she's just the illusion of young. I think she is young. Yeah. Um. So if he isn't... And also, it has to be said, not bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, good on you, Nier. Yeah. She definitely <laughs> looks a lot better at the yeah. young version. <laughs> but, like, so, apparently, they were together a super long time ago, and he left her for some sort of duty. Unclear. Responsibility. He had to put the glaive in the lava, man. I guess, and then disappear forever. <laughs> There's no way and I'm going to go all the way back after that. What he didn't know is that she was pregnant with his son. This was so dark. And she's so angry with him for leaving that she murders the son. So dark. And you're like, what? And I'm like... When she first says, "What you didn't know that we had a son. And he's like, you never told me. And I immediately thought... How is Colin going to turn out to be the old man's son? Isn't he the son of the king? Does that mean he's not a legitimate prince? I thought for sure they were going to say Colin was their son. Oh, I thought they were going to say that it was like Colin's dad's dad or something. Oh, okay. But no. No. She smothered him or whatever. I was whatever. so angry when you walked out that I killed the child. Um, And like, I thought when it happened this, because I don't remember this from, from being a kid, but like when this happened this time watching it last night... I remember thinking, like, you know, that's actually a really interesting position to put him in. Is like, the rage you would feel over knowing that this woman killed your son for something that you feel you were justified to do, clearly, because you did it, versus uh, your duty to the galaxy. Like, if you don't get this mission through, like, the Beast is going to win. And so he's got to struggle with that. Yeah, rage. you feel like there'd be some sort of internal struggle to it's overcome like, it. No. Oh, whatever, baby. It was just a stupid kid. Who cares? Yeah. He's like, hey, <laughs> he's like, hey, we both made mistakes. And you know what? I remember how hot you were. Yeah. All I know is when I look at you, I just remember the good times. That's all I know. And like, yeah, he forgives her in like a heartbeat, and you're just like, I almost wish. I put, that when he gets to the edge of the web, he'd been like, I lied. And cut the <laughs> cut the web or something. Because, like, I put the dishes away in the wrong spot and my wife is angry at me. <laughs> but he's just going to forgive her this transgression. No problem. Oh, man. All right, fine. Yeah, I guess shit. you gotta you got to move the story along. But, geez, why even go that dark? Why not just be the two of them meet and she's like, I hated you for leaving. And he's like, I hated myself for leaving, but I didn't feel like I had a choice. And that's it. That would have been enough. The 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 murdered kid thing was just... But I guess their like justification... Just a whole step too far. I felt so too. And I looked at my daughter who's sitting next to me, but she didn't even blink. No. Um, but I thought... They, the things that we think are going to bother kids are not don't, like, existential dread the of, like, spider, losing your children. Like, kids do not care. The spider so. did make her cringe. Okay. But not this. But I thought that they, they justified it, at least from the story element perspective, by saying the whole reason she became the Widow of the Web was as punishment for that really, really horrible crime. That yes. Her transgression there is what landed her in this predicament. And it is a horrible life for all of eternity to spend because she's paying for something so horrible like this. Yeah, I just don't think you needed to justify that. She just lives on a web. I don't think I ever would have yeah. had an issue with that. But she's able to do what they came to get her to do, which is to predict where the castle, the Black Fortress, will show up. And yeah, she just like looks off into the distance. She's like, uh, yeah, the desert. 
Aaron does it. Better get going. And here, uh, I'm going to give you the last of my lifeblood, which is the sand in this hourglass, to get out of here. And when the sand finally runs out the last of your fingers... Uh, no, I'm going to die, but the spider's going to kill me, because the hourglass is the only thing that keeps him back. The spider's going to yeah. kill me, but when the sand runs out of your fingers, you'll die too. This is all, I, all the time I can buy you. And so he has to take it and run and find the others real quick before he can't pass on this very vital information about the, the mission. I love that when he does get back to camp, and he's like, the castle will be... <laughs> Say it quicker! Thing. And then he finally gets it out. And he's like, oh, wait, I've still got like three or four minutes. I should have crescendoed into that, but I'm just going to sit here and. What drove me crazy was he's got, you know, a decent amount in his palm and he just dumps it. Well, that's the thing, like, he's out of the tunnel now. Yeah. Was the spider going to squeeze out and come after him? He could have carefully. No, it's the sand itself. He'll die when the sand leaves his hand. Oh, I understand. And he's been dropping. But he was dropping the sand to keep the spider from moving. Right. That was in so case. stick it in a bag and hold it That's forever. That's what I was going to say. There's still a little bit on his palm. He made it to them. He told them, just put it in like your glove or something, dude, and you're fine. You're golden. Wrap it around your neck or something. You know, anything. Yeah. Like a little vial, like uh, what's her name used to wear for Billy Bob's blood? Uh, <laughs> Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie used to wear Billy Bob's blood around her neck because if it dropped, she would die. That was my understanding. <laughs> Billy Bob's vampire blood was the yeah, only thing keeping her young. You know, those two, I kind of believe it. You know, <laughs> yeah, it would not surprise it me. It seemed like anything could happen with those two. You know, it's like the you know the true blood thing where you find out, oh, they've been here all the time, and now they're <laughs> out. I've been like, oh yeah, totally them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so now that they know where the castle's going to be, they got to get like across to the other side of the planet. In like twelve hours, a thousand leagues. So they're going to need fire mares to 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 find them. Now, first of all, they have a team of horses that they picked up after the swamp. My daughter asked me, "Where did these horses come from?" <laughs> they came from the scene change. And I I blinked, and I blinked and I said, "You're right. These horses came from nowhere." Nope, just had them. Just had them. But they're just regular horses. They need fire mares, which are super super fast horses. And I thought. If the fire mares live in a cave, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> but no, they're running out in a plane somewhere. And they just have to lasso them. Which they do with the help of everybody, you know, kind of herding them towards a dead end and lassos and jumping. They spend kind of a lot of time, like, a long wrangling scene. these horses and, like, I get it. They probably blew a substantial portion of their budget on, like... On the horses. On the horses. Like, those are, like... Really big, good-looking horses and, like, getting them all to do all the right stuff and, like, having horse trainers and stuff. Like, that was probably 12 of the 30 million right there. Do you think some of the fire mares were also some of the standard horses they were riding in the scene before? Because you wouldn't be able to tell. Fire feet. The fire feet don't light up till they start going. (laughs) Um, And then they all get on their... They all get on their horses. And the Cyclops tells them he can't go with them because this is where he's going to die. And my question is, obviously, he, he comes back at the end, so he's lying about this. Either he was lying and this was not going to be where he was going to die, or he changed it to go to the much worse death. Yeah, he changed it. This isn't where he was going to die. He wasn't right. running from his fate. He was going towards it. If that's the case, and this... Alright, so... Wait a second, I'm confused. Are you saying 
His fate was not to die with them. His fate was to die somewhere so his else. His fate, fate was originally to stay here where they get the fire mares, and he was going to die somewhere around here. Because that's the reason he I says mean, he can't go with them. Who knows where time. he was going to go, but I or when it was going to happen, presumably in the next day or two. I'm just wondering what that threat was that was going to kill him originally. Probably just... Like cholesterol? What was... he? There was nothing around. It was just... Poisonous spider when he's sitting down. Yeah. Have you seen an old man come through here? (laughs) He was leaking red sand. I've been hunting him all night. (laughs) Um, You have the stink of him on you. And then he just attacks the Cyclops and kills him. Um, That's it. But he doesn't go with him because he says, I'm going to stay here. This is my time to die. I don't know. It had never occurred to me that his fate was to die with... it, It wasn't a cowardly move. No, well, okay. he was he was facing his death. He wasn't saying I'm going to die. They all thought they were going to die, yeah. and most of them were right. So it wasn't like he was just too afraid to go on. I had a, a question when he was looking up at them as they're getting on the fire mares. You get a really good look at his Cyclops mug, and I was wondering how that actor sees. He doesn't. There's, that's what I doesn't. was wondering. No, you if you, I thought that the first time I saw him because I was like, "Well, that is not real." What's he looking through? Right. I was like, "It's not." And every now and then, you'd see him talk to someone and like not get it quite right. He'd but what's Ergo's little... excuse that he won't meet anyone and look him in the eye? What's his excuse for that? He's just got wonky vision or something. <laughs> Who knows? That's okay. So that's what I was wondering. I was like, "Can he just not see?" And they're just telling him left. <laughs> Up so. more. <laughs> well, if you notice, like a lot of the time, he's not looking at who he's talking to. He's just staring off into the distance with purpose. And like, oh, okay, purpose. yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so they ride the fire mares across the planet Krull, and like you said, they have flame feet that light up when they get up to super speed. And when they hit full speed, they can fly. They can fly. And now this scene looked and sounded score wise. To me, a lot like the E.T. Bicycles Through the Sky scene. <laughs> the score sounded very similar. And E.T. came, uh, e. came out in 82, which was the year before. To be fair, I think James Horner did this. I think he might have also done E.T. So he's just cribbing his own work? Hold on, hold on. Pause. Uh, wait, wait, we'll just ask the boys from the lab to take yeah, a look boy. and figure it out. Because they, maybe that might have been Williams. They even kind of do it the same way that... The bicycles work, which is that they don't fly the entire way. They fly when they get to like a big gulf that they have to cross, and they just take off into the sky. But then they touch down on the other side, just the way the bikes did in ET, and they keep going across on the other side. And you're like, "Wow, that was really strange." Uh, I'm still working on it. <laughs> Damn. The problem, see, the problem, folks, is over the long extended break between episodes, we had to let the boys at the lab go. And no one's called them back to work yet. Uh, I, no, I that was that was John Williams. Ah, okay. So James Horner curved a little bit. To be fair, I like this soundtrack a lot. Yeah, me too. It's got a good adventure sorcery soundtrack to it. Yeah. Um, that was not one of the shortcomings of this film. No. And I, I think a good sound... I, I think actually this is one of the reasons Star Wars did it as well as it did. is because the soundtrack was... Am- not the soundtrack. The score was amazing. Yeah. And, like, it gave it a gravitas that it really didn't warrant on its own had they done, like, a stupid synth thing. And, like, I think they, they made the right choice of yeah. doing, like, a legitimate orchestral score here. Uh, they get to, finally, they get to the Black Fortress in the Iron Desert. And, like, the sun is starting to go down again. They just, like, barely made it in time. And if you don't get inside, 
before that sun is it the sunrises or sun goes down which is it sunrise or sunset? rise so if you don't get inside before the sunrise that thing's going to take off again and you're not going to be on it you're going to miss your ride and she'll be who knows where tomorrow so they got to hurry up and get inside so they have to assail in the, this in the fortress. flower field yeah, yeah. they got to assail this fortress and uh we start taking some actual uh hits besides the blind seer we lose a few chain gangers Pretty quick. A few randos, yeah. Yeah. Including Liam Neeson. We lose, like, beefy chain guy guy that never got a name and we didn't really mind. No, we losing. he got he had a name. His name was, like, oh, I didn't even Rogar catch or something. Oh, okay. We lose him first. Beefy chain ganger. And then uh, we lose Liam Neeson a little later, which really hurts because he was the one that had eight wives and who knows how many children. And you're like... I know. That's not... The, how are they going to live without their... Lack of ill-gotten gains coming in from dad. <laughs> <laughs> you were always being talked out of robbing people, Liam. Stop it. Um, and then, for some reason, Ergo and Titch, the boy, get separated from the rest of the group. Nothing really comes of that. No, I mean, they just have their own little fight. It's a really quick side fight uh, where Ergo does turn into an impressive tiger. Yes. And chases away some slayers. And then chases? He claws their face off. He does do that. I think he's the only one to actually kill a slayer because he clawed his head. And takes, like, a bad hit, too. He gets hit in the paw. Yeah. And then when he comes... I think he's just... Yeah, I think he's just being a crybaby. Yeah. I think it's fine. <laughs> um, the others get sidetracked and, and waylaid, and they get, like... There's just, there's the, the pit of spikes that are moving in, the walls of spikes moving in to crush them. Oh, the, you can't be in the final scene, so you're just going to get stuck over here? Yeah, we got to start winnowing down this very large party. And what I loved is that the spikes are clearly like styrofoam, because as they're pushing and holding them to try and keep them from going... They're bending a little. <laughs> it succeeds. Like, they can they can literally, like, push the spike and bend it, and it's a little wobbly, and you're like... Yeah, that's not that's that was like the least impressive effect of the entire. They needed film. they needed something for those guys to do other than get stuck with the brambles. <laughs> yeah, um, the the lead criminal, the the main bad guy. Yeah, okay. Who made a deal with Corwin at the beginning of the movie to uh, join up with his crusade on behalf of all the Col- chain gang? Colwin, sorry, Corwin. <laughs> Colwin. Um, before the end of the episode, maybe I'll pronounce it correctly. Um, I didn't. Catch, I think his name was Turkill or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, he he looked kind of familiar to me, but I didn't bother. I've definitely seen him and stuff. Yeah, you've seen him in a million things. Um, I really didn't expect him to live through the movie because he was so unnecessary. He was like their leader, but once they joined up with Colwyn, why did you need him to stick around? The only thing that paid off on that is that he did make a deal with Colwyn where... Colwyn has the key to unlock all their shackles, their manacles that they still yeah. have on. Because the king and the lord marshal each have a key to every manacle in the kingdom. Like, it's a uni- it's just one unified key. What, what got me was like, alright, when, you know, time served, how many prisoners are you releasing every week? It's, you know, let's just say you group them up, so this only has to happen. But the lord marshal's gotta go down to every effing prison and, yeah. like, unlock every one of or the manacles. Or the king. Or the king, the king himself. Could do it himself. Yeah, I didn't get the impression. What got me go. is, you know, there's robbers in this world. I'm sure there's a there's a lock pick somewhere in the world. <laughs> no. If you can pick one lock, you can pick all of the locks. Every <laughs> prisoner, the same key. every prisoner is locked up with the same lock. 
So you can literally free anyone in the world. Now that would be a heist movie. <laughs> is set in Kroll, you steal this one key to make a duplicate and you can unlock every single prisoner. This key should be protected by armed guards in a giant fortress that is impossible to get through. Oh man. But no, it's just around Colin's neck. I did it, Colin. You did it. Um, and so they, they have that, that deal where, you know, if I make it through this alive, then you unlock my manacles and then I'll be free. And so we'll get that payoff at the end where he unlocks his manacles. But otherwise, you didn't need this guy to live. No. Certainly you didn't need him to live Unless he keeps the manacles. You didn't need him to live longer than Liam Neeson. No. Although Liam Neeson wasn't Liam Neeson at the time. He was just some dude. Finally, they find the room where Lissa's being held with the beast inside. And it's glaive time. Finally... You oh yeah, some soldiers show up, show up, and so he glaives them, and he's just like ripping through dudes. And it's like, <laughs> man, would this have been useful two minutes ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you guys were all pinned down, about to die, and like, yes, the Cyclops came and saved you, but like, how do you not think like, man, I know the old man said to wait until like I knew the time for the glaive, but I guess we're all just all going to die here to lasers because I'm not going to pull the glaive out. Well, see, the problem with this was he didn't have the old man's voice whispering in his ear going... Not yet, Colwyn. It's time to use the glaive. <laughs> Don't turn inside, off the glaive was inside <laughs> you all along. <laughs> Don't turn off your targeting computer. Um, but I was I was disappointed because he uses it as a circular saw. It's just he's cutting a door open, and that was like the first really great. Oh, and it takes forever. And it takes forever to cut the door, and I'm like, this is what the magical weapon is is. Our hour of need is just as a circular saw? I didn't like that at all. It was not a very clean cut, either. Goes in and fights the beast, and how would you describe what we see as the beast, finally? Kind of like a... thing from beneath the waves kind of thing. Like, yeah. It's like yeah. very anticlimactic, really. And you don't get it... They, they smartly don't show the full it's so thing shadowed most of the time. and blurry. Yeah. But well, thing, I think it would have been a lot worse had it not been. Well, yeah, they knew what they had, and they knew what they had to cover. Yeah. One thing I immediately thought when I looked at it the first time was, there's lipstick on that pig. <laughs> because he had bright red lips. Like It was like someone smeared, like an elderly person he was who was trying driving over a pebbled road was trying to apply makeup <laughs> while they drove, and it just went all over their face with a bad application. How else are you going to get Lissa? And I was trying to determine. It was difficult because you could only see these weird perspective shots as they went back and forth. How much bigger than a person is the beast? Because I couldn't really tell. He seemed maybe like 20 feet tall. Okay. It was difficult because you never see him like standing kinda, next to anybody. I kind of, from the way that we had seen him up until this point, I thought maybe he was like... uh like eight stories high or something like really big yeah but i guess that wasn't the thing i don't know corwin glaives him and it takes a little while but sure enough beast yeah, goes so, down and then he really needs his glaive back <laughs> the glaive he has performance problems he's like sorry i'm gonna need a half hour yeah before you glaive again just give me 20 minutes please I well, I wish they'd said something like, you can only use it once a day. It's a once a day power. You need a long rest <laughs> yeah, to recharge The glaive it. is stuck in the corpse of what you presume oh, is Oh, man, the you're going to get stuck with a glaive beast. in our D&D game that you can only use, like, for 
one second per yeah, day. And you have to time it just right. Um, but it's great when, when Corwin tries to will it to come back to his hand, and it just wiggles and can't quite do it. And that's it. And I immediately thought, because I thought this was the end, of, I forgot there was a fake out. So I thought, well, that wasn't a great ending, but he's dead and they defeated him. I thought that was it. And he's just going to leave the glaive there. And I thought, did something similar happen in that mountain back at the beginning of the film? Oh, yeah, that would have been neat. When fought with it 150 yeah, years ago. some monster in the lava cave now. Who knows? And he had to just leave it behind because once it's defeated its, it's monster for you, it won't come back to you. I, I like that, but no. <laughs> Fire that head cannon. Um... But then there's the jump scare because the beast ain't dead. He gets up again. And he's coming for more. Round two. Fight. And the only thing that can feed him is marriage. I kind of enjoyed that, though. Marriage. Because it's a royal team-up. And she says, it's, again, Colwyn does not figure this out. It's Lissa who says, Colwyn, yeah. together we can do this. Only together. That's, that's why I think he should only have been able to do the flame stuff while they were, like, holding hands. And, well, she, she gives him her flame... He accepts the flame from her, and suddenly he can just fire touch, like... Straight up flamethrower. What's that spell? Uh, burning hands. Burning hands. He can yeah. straight up burning hands. <laughs> um, and it looks pretty good, actually. Yeah, the, actually, I was going to say what looks great is when they're escaping, and they, like, get to this wall, and he's just like, <laughs> F this wall! Flame boom! on! And, like, it blows out the side of the castle yeah. and flamethrows out. And you're that like, was yeah. great. And not only does it blow out the side of the castle, but it, like, keeps going, like... Oh, yeah, that's awesome. 50 feet past the hole that he blushed open. He just totally Johnny Storms his way out. <laughs> and it was pretty sweet. Um, and then everything's falling apart because the beast is dead now. It when is. they get out, everything doesn't fall down. It falls up into the sky. Which I think was awesome. I thought it was I too. I always liked that. It looks pretty sweet. And they're in Teletubby land. It's like all flowery fields. Yeah. And they must have moved again right after they got into the castle and, and zipped off to their next location. <laughs> I would have liked they'd been like, this is only an hour from where we started. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, there's, I can see my castle this... from here. <laughs> oh, shit. That's where we picked up the fire bears. Yeah. But no, yeah. <laughs> right over there. <laughs> Yeah, they're in Holland. They're in a beautiful scene, um, and you get that you get that voiceover again telling you the prophecy. And the prophecy was that a woman of of ancient name. Oh, we forgot to mention the widow of the web's real name was also Lissa. I there was a moment there where I was like, you know, uh, Yanir is not. He could be an old version of Colin. Oh, you were thinking of time? I was thinking thing? like, oh man, is this just like a weird time loop thing? That would have been so much better than what we got. And then like, the, or like, they're the remnants of a version where they didn't get this right. Right. I was thinking not so much actual time travel, but that this was a very cyclical event yeah. that keeps happening every few hundred years. And someone and has to go see. had this happen, he didn't. He, did, he didn't go to her. Which was why it was so important to him that he correct his mistakes with Colwyn. I think I think there's something there, man. Yeah. Um, and if we remake it. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like uh, getting back to Battlestar Galactica. Like, everything... They kept saying in Battlestar Galactica, all of this has happened before, and yeah, all of this yeah. will happen again. And it's very much that scenario here. Yeah. Um, but who, who, so who survives? Colwyn, Lissa, Ergo, Titch the boy... And uh, and the new Captain... lord, the new lord marshal, the head of the yeah. the chain gang, 
Captain Escapee. Yeah, who finally gets the key to his manacles and is made Lord Marshal of all prisoners. And he laughs his butt off because <laughs> him being in charge of all the prisoners on the planet Krull is the funniest thing ever. And that is pretty funny. Well, theoretically, and the armies, too. I mean, I don't know what's left. Oh, I guess he marshals the army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true, true. And I, I kind of liked that dig. Is it like the fact that this guy ends up <laughs> as the, the big head? Hey, like, he proved his loyal. He went on a suicide mission with his king. He was he was kind enough not to rob me. So yeah, he no, did. he did go on a suicide mission. He robbed my friend. Almost, almost all his friends died. Like, yeah. does, he, does he have any of his original gang left? No, they're all. No, dead. they're all gone. He's the only one that made it. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 that's not true. Uh, Unibrow, younger kid, made it. Oh, right, the teenager. Yes. The one who... The who, actual, the first one who joined up. Who, who was, was like, willing to... F these guys, I'll go with you. Yeah, and he put them all to shame, and they're like, well, if you're gonna be like that... Oh. Make <laughs> yeah, us look gonna call bad. me out, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that kid. Yeah, yeah, he made it. He made it. Oh, good. So, all right, they made it. And so they say... Assistant to the Lord Marshal. Yeah, so the legend is she will, the woman of ancient name will choose her husband uh, and together they will rule our world and their child will rule the, the galaxy. galaxy. And I immediately thought, did we just meet the Palpatines? Like, are they going to give birth? <laughs> like the Palpatines, Sundays on ABC. Are they going to give birth to Emperor Palpatine? Because... I would watch the crap out of the Palpatines. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the raising of Emperor Palpatine when he was a child. But it seems like that's what, because that's what Emperor Palpatine was, right? He was ruling the galaxy. Yep. I feel like Krull turned out to be a backdoor Star Wars prequel. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. And Krull could, there's nothing in Krull that wouldn't necessarily fit inside the Star Wars universe. You'd have to do a little stretching, but... <laughs> it is another planet. That's okay. Hey, if the ET aliens can be part of the delegation at the the Senate of the Old Republic, well, that's the thing. It would have to be. It would almost be like from, um, like outside the outer rim or something. Like they have yeah, yeah, no yeah. knowledge of the Galactic Senate and all that stuff. Like they don't have the technology exchange. And out of that wasteland came a boy, yeah, who wanted to rule it all. <laughs> God, do we know Palpatine's first name? I, I, they have to have said it at some point, somewhere. I'm sure... Tiberius Palpatine. I'm sure there are nerds mightier than us who have come up with it. Nerds mightier than us. Well, in this respect. Yes. Um, Alright, so this is the, the time on the podcast where we ask ourselves, is this worth another go-around? Brent. Totally. Awesome. You like, I, you I think there's something... I, like, None of the things that you said were wrong, but I I actually enjoyed this a lot. As I said, I all of that was crazy, but it, I enjoyed watching it. When you put it in the when you put it in the time frame of this is just coming off of Star Wars and like those beginning guys. Honestly, they looked like the soldiers from Spaceballs more than they looked like stormtroopers. But um, they're clearly cribbing some stuff, but like the rest of it felt super unique to me. Like I really liked the the Spider Lady. I really liked that the cool. the castle. Like there's a lot of stuff that I thought was really cool. Jeez, just the glaive itself is super cool. I mean, completely impractical as we said, but super cool. I just wish he'd used it more. Yeah, in different ways. 
Um, well, and that's the thing. If you did it now, you could up those stakes and like, uh, yeah, the glaive can take twenty guys out, but there's four hundred here. It's like you gotta. I just had a really horrible mental image of the glaive being upgraded as lightsaber blades on the, on the ends of it, boom, <laughs> <laughs> zooming through the sky as it hums its death song. That's what that's what uh, episode nine is. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I I would totally like to see this revisited. Do you have any thoughts on how you might do it? I, I think I think we hit on it about like going deeper into the uh, Yanir and ancient Lissa, yeah. and like how that's it's got to be somehow related because he knew all about everything that's happening here. Like he seemed to almost have a history with the beast because he knew. Do you think... like theoretically he's been living in a cave for a long time since before. The Slayers came. In a cave, you say? Caves. This, cave Prime. This planet is replete with caves. Uh, and so, like, where did he acquire this knowledge? Like, how did he know who, who the heck the Cyclops were? So, would you lean towards, like, a prequel? The Yanir years? No, I would just explore more of it. Like, I really like the idea of... In the olden times, Yanir and his Lissa had the opportunity to do the right things and they failed. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of what led to, I mean, I don't know that I would make it as straight up infanticide, but like she did something unforgivable and ended up where she is. If only we could figure out what mistake ancient Lissa made. (laughs) Where did she go wrong? I'm trying to put my finger on it, Brent. Was Hmm. it the murdering of the child? Uh, But like, and like you near... Yeah, I mean, I like the. I mean, it's almost. It kind of is like the the whole prequel Obi Wan thing, where like he lost. He's got to go into hiding, almost kind of thing. But like, I don't know. Now I'm just turning it into Star Wars. Yeah, there's something. There's something <laughs> very cool though, which is the idea of the woman who loved Obi Wan and who he had to leave. That's a very cool story idea. Like, yeah, I would. That's what Emir his story is. Is like he had. This great yeah, was he a Jedi? Life. Was he not allowed? He had duties and responsibilities, is yeah. all he says. And it's like, also, are they immortal? How old are they? Like, I wouldn't. I got like, I don't. I don't need a, a number of years, but yeah. I do need like, is he generations old? Because they kind of make it seem like that. Yeah. Yeah, and he. You, well, you know that Lissa is like living still because she was cursed. Yeah, why is existence. why is Junior still? Alive? What did he do? Yeah, who knows? Um, <clears throat> I thought that, or this... maybe that's just how long people live. We didn't see anyone die of old age. It's true. <laughs> Not even the blind seer, who was by far the oldest of all of them. He died. Yeah, he clearly. I, I got the distinct impression he was younger than. Yeah. Junior, uh, but physically the oldest of them. Right. Um. Every scene in this in this movie felt like the end of a level of Super Mario Brothers where you get to the end and it's like, thanks Mario, but our princess is in another cave and yes. you had to move on to the next one. So Yes, part of part of the remake would be don't do that. Yeah. But so this <laughs> it got me thinking in a very um like a, a mindset that led me to believe this would make a really cool adventure video game. Yeah, maybe. I mean I feel because cause just like the things that they had to do, like you have obtained Blind Seer. Take him to the Emerald Swamp Temple. To activate, uh, you know, that sort of thing 
just seems to lend itself really well to playing as a video game. Um, and you can still tell a hell of a story in a video game. I mean, those Legend of Zelda games and, and Final Fantasy and, and all that stuff mm-hmm. has incredible storytelling in some of them. Yeah. Not all the time. A little miss, but no, it is possible. Not all of them, but I've seen some really great yes. ones. Um, it just feels feels like this has all the elements that would make for a spectacular video game. I just I want to see more unique worlds, and I don't think we get that very often, especially in today's movies. Mm-hmm. And like, Kroll's probably a bad example because it had one of the largest budgets of its time. How much did you say again? 30 million, and it only made 16.4 or 16.5, and it's just like, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. Yeah. That's some, uh, the most recent Fantastic Four stuff right there, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wonder if, uh, if you were going to remake this as a movie, if it would be cool to try to, uh, rally the the rebellion of the other worlds that are under the thumb of the beast. Like if there was a way to travel from world to world that the beast has already conquered and pick up allies from there, like instead of going to a cave on Krull, you're going to a world. I'm worried that would turn into, did you see the most recent King Arthur movie? Nope. The Guy Ritchie one? Nope. It kind of has that same thing where it's like, Arthur goes to a bunch of different people and like it, it does it like in a montage basically because like to do it <laughs> yeah to do it I mean like don't go watch the movie it's awful but like to do it properly like I mean there'd have to I mean it's a galaxy aren't wouldn't there be like hundreds of worlds like it's true if it's a solar system fine that's definitely not what they said and like it kind of brings the stakes down where you really don't need to like how are they gonna help <laughs> You know, but like, I, I I could definitely, I would like to expand on like the Cyclopses or something. Like, why aren't there more of them helping? Like, they should. I hope their race is dying out because they stopped having kids because it's horrible to bring children to the world who can already see what's going to happen in their own grim death. Sure. Maybe that just causes them to slowly disappear over time and. But I think there could be more stuff like that, more yeah. more races or whatever that have been wronged by the beast that you could recruit. And so make it about like the things the beast has done as opposed to just people in the galaxy. Um, I think that would add a little bit more. Because like, the way Kroll treats it, it's like he just showed up and started killing. Like he's just yeah. going to take over. Yeah. But if you make it like he's been a force here like almost like a Sauron kind of thing. Yeah. I think that would I think you could do more with that. If they if they do a reboot, is it too on the nose to cast Chris Pratt as as Colwyn? <laughs> you could just put Chris Pratt on a on a radical diet so he loses a sure. little weight. Not there that he go. needs to lose any weight, but this guy was slim. He was svelte. Yeah. Chris Pratt is not that slim. Um I think if they do, it's gotta be done by Disney, especially since We've discovered that it's a backdoor prequel to Star Wars. So. Of course. Yeah, get on it, Disney. Kroll Land. Coming yeah. to Disneyland. What do you name? What is, what is, what is, a, what is a native of Kroll called? A Krollian? Krollian. Crawler? <laughs> All you Krollers, get in line. Yes. Ah, well. All right. That was fun. That's it uh, for this episode. Uh, thank you for 
for joining us for coming back from the dark, dark wasteland between episodes and getting back on board with us. Uh, if you consider yourselves fans of Illuminates and feel so moved as to go on iTunes and give us a like or pretty please a lovely review, that'd be most appreciated. Um, you can head on over to our website at illuminates.rocks. You can email us at illuminatespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'd be happy to uh, to entertain any possible suggestions. We won't say that we will take requests. <laughs> we will read your suggestions exactly. and then throw it in the trash. <laughs> and throw it away. Um, also, but, this marks roughly the one-year anniversary of when we first started. Seriously? Wow. Well, the, the domain came up for... Oh, my God. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad we, we got back on track with this then. Yeah. That's awesome. I wasn't going to let it go, but <laughs> it was worth 13 bucks yeah, for another year. Totally. So, I'll take it. That's fantastic. All right, folks. That's it for this week. Um, boy, one of the things, as I stretch out this outro... One of the things I've discovered I hate about podcasts are long outros. <laughs> and here I am just rambling off the long outro. All right. Shut your uh, hole. We've done our See job, Hollywood. You, you do yours. Goodbye.